Hey everybody, welcome this week on Myopia Movies. We are talking City Slickers, a movie with a people, a bunch of people I really like, including Billy Crystal, of course, Jack Palance, uh, Bruno Kirby, and Daniel Stern. It's a weird comedy. I remember seeing it on VHS several times. A lot of, not mature themes, but it's definitely like aimed at middle-aged men. So, you know, interesting that I saw it so much as a kid, but, you know, there you go. Anyway, thanks for having us, thanks for listening, thanks for subscribing, thanks for doing everything you do. Um, we appreciate you because you're the fans who keep us going as we're approaching our 10th season. Thanks, everyone. Welcome to Myopia Movies. This week, we have transitioned away from Nora Ephron, finally, um, right back into the loving arms of Billy Crystal. As we do our first of two Academy Award-dominated movies, this one is an Academy Award-winning movie, in fact, for Jack Palance. We covered 1994. I forgot to even look. City Slickers. I'm your host, Nick Hoffman, and on panel we have... Author Matthew W. Quinn, who will show you how to birth a calf. Yeah, so we did City Slickers. This is a, God, middle-class yuppie fantasy on middle age, I guess. Yeah, basically some yuppies in midlife crisis become cowboys. On the verge of turning 40. God help us. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, I'm 38. A year from now, am I going to decide to so go, become, is, go, to go, go work on a ranch? This is the year, actually this year you'd have to go to Pamploma and run with the bulls, uh, which is <laughs> our cold opening uh, a year before the events, the rest of the events of the movie. Uh, this is directed by Ron Underwood, a director of previous episode Tremors, which is a very different film. This is stars, of course, Billy Crystal, as I mentioned. Daniel Stern and Bruno Kirby are the three main dudes. Is Bruno Kirby that other dude in Harry Met Sally? Because they yeah. look exactly the same. He he is. He's in Harry Met Sally. Yep. Stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> no, we already did that. Oh, that whoops. One came out. Yeah. My sense of time is going crazy. <laughs> then the wives are... Uh, respectively, uh, Patricia Wedding, who I was convinced was the woman from Sopranos, which is not, and Helen Slater. And then, of course, we have a really... We'll get to Daniel Stern's wife later because she's the worst. Uh, And by the way, uh, Patricia Wedding, uh, Wettig, I guess, is in future episode uh, on the Langoliers. Uh, Mm. Yeah, she's in the Langoliers, which... Stephen King nonsense. I yeah. kind of love Watch it. Watch out for the CGI bitey balls, everybody. Oh my god, it's it's really, it's amazing and it's stupid at the same time. I remember actually really liking it, I guess. But it's been years. I mean, it came out in the '90s. That was one of those like late nights at a sleepover kind of watches. I could swear it was a sci-fi original movie. It's possible. I know it was made for TV. I don't know where it came out. Um, you know, I mean, it's gets like a PG-13 rating, but I just remember like CGI, like really bad CGI that the plane flies into and it's just like, oh no. I, I just remember some of these across between that Super Mario, like that big bullet with a mouth. Yeah. And a Goomba much. that flies. And uh, eating course, reality. Dean Stockwell's in it, like just looking confused the whole time. Yeah, it's really something. It's really, it's not a great movie. It's kind of fun though. We suffer so you don't have to, everybody. Yeah. Um, we also have the original Tom Holland in that one. Uh, but we're here to talk about City Slickers. Now, um, like we mentioned, 
well, I, I forgot to me- I neglected to mention one thing, but we have a straight out of the 1980s, even though this is 1991, but a cartoon introduction, an animated intro. Oh yeah, that goes on for forever and ever. Is that is that before or after the running with the bulls? I thought it was after. Well, it's before the running of the bulls happens first, but then him in the hospital happens afterwards. Um, so we have this like running with the bulls scene, you know, right out of Hemingway, um, Bruno Kirby's character who is, his name is Ed. I'm, I'm convinced he just wants to die because all these bad ideas seem to be his bad idea. And he is constantly like, I don't know. I mean, we eventually get to the fact that he feels like, He's not manly or some nonsense, but yeah. When when in in between banging girls half his age, yeah, he's doing dragging his buddies off on these various adventure tourism episodes. If for those of you who are into the Game of Thrones, there's a character named Dolorous Ed. They'll start calling him Lecherous Ed because he is. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, so we have this scene in Pamploma where they're running with the bulls, and you know, I mean, it's physical comedy uh, spent about a month in Spain when I was studying abroad and there's this whole chapter in let's go Europe about running with the bulls. And it's funny because it's the, the, the whole point is that it's incredibly stupid. Don't do it. Uh, you know, people get killed every year. Um, but they have the one thing is like, look, run a brief distance and then dive into the crowd. That's what you're supposed to do. And that's what Bruno Kirby does. Uh, Daniel Stern ends up hanging from a, a flagpole and then, um, Billy Crystal ends up getting like gored through the butt, which we yeah he he runs and runs and runs. He doesn't do what Nick says. He doesn't get out of the way, and he gets gored by a bull. Um, we get he, he's one of those you see him in this those things you where someone's getting a colonoscopy. You have like a whole curtain set up at their waist. Well, and Daniel Stern takes a picture of it, which is funny. Um, but we get this kind of. I don't even know what it would be. It's 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 like an odd joke at European doctors, like that he doesn't know what he's doing, and the guy's kind of a doof, which is whatever. Hello, everybody. Very much. And he's like looking. He goes, "Yes, yes." And you're just like, "No, who could care?" Um, although the the joke that really didn't make me laugh, they're like stitching his butt up because he got gored, you know. Um, but Daniel Stern is not only obsessed with taking a picture, but he wants a group shot. And the doctor kind of looks over the curtain and smiles. <laughs> I, I just like the joke, like, don't close anything is supposed to stay open. Well, but again, like, that's just him being like a New York kind of jerk stereotype, which is fine. I mean, it's a joke. It's, it, it made me realize that if he could act at all, which he can't, Jerry Seinfeld would have had a great career in movies because it's the same character Jerry Seinfeld always plays. Kind of aloof, kind of a jackass, very smart alecky. Um, but, you know, Billy Crystal can carry a scene. I've seen B-movie. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld just can't do it. But it's the same character. Um, uh, so this was a trip with the, not the kids, but with the spouses. Like, this is a vacation to, this, you know, southern Spain. And we're introduced to the families, right? Um uh, like I said, <clears throat> Billy Crystal is Mitch. His wife is Barbara. They are in a relationship that doesn't make sense. We'll get to it later. Um, you have Ed, who's dating, again, someone like Matt said, is half his age. This Spanish woman, I think. Maybe yeah. he just picks her up on the trip and takes her home. I don't know. The next scene we see her, him, he has a new girlfriend, 
right? So this is just, it's, speaking of Seinfeld, it's just like, well, he has another woman, another woman. Uh, Daniel Stern does have the great line here. You know, they, like you said, he's dating someone half his age. What's next? Are you going to date sperm? Which yeah. is, that was good. Um, but they get back and... Oh, in the meantime, we see the first hints of the problem that's going to come next. That Daniel Stern's wife is not nice at all, and he pretends to be asleep to avoid interacting with her. Yeah, her the character is Arlene. It's an actress I had not seen in anything before. Though apparently she's a stewardess in Die Hard 2 and in a spoof movie called Plump Fiction. <laughs> I remember seeing that in the video store. Have you seen it, though? No. no. Oh, dude. It- Maybe it's on YouTube. It has 2.7 out of 10. God, I am, I am so shocked. I know, right? Um, in plump fiction. Oh, God. Yeah, if, if it's got the cover, it's got that woman from the Pulp Fiction cover on and she's about twice the size, like licking a lollipop. Yeah, it's exactly what it is, actually. And it's uh, in the original, it's uh, Uma Thurman. Uh, but this is Julie Brown, I think. Yeah, there she is. Julie Brown. Um, but anyway, God, spoof movies luckily are dead, I think. Yeah. Finally it, good and dead. Because the last one I can think of in a parody of The Hunger Games called The Starving Games, which sounds so dumb. Well, and I think a few years ago, they tried to do a Fifty Shades of Grey parody, uh, and it lost money. Like, Because these things are made for nothing. They've been made for nothing for years and years and years, so you can keep pumping them out. And then this one just... It finally stopped making money, so they stopped making it. Yeah, but, I think I mean, the scary. I think scary movie must have run that concept into the ground because aren't there like six of them? Oh, two. Like, yeah. I mean, in the Wayne's brothers, as they are, um, that was like their bread and butter. Like, you might not think you've seen them anytime soon, um, but they really just keep, like you said, pumping these things out. I'm just glad that they're gone for good. I saw the first one. I think. I may have seen the second one in theaters, but after that, I think I checked out of it. Yeah, I think I started watching the first one on Netflix and then found something else to do and turn it off and never, never, never finished it. Yeah, I think you made the right choice. Yeah, like, God, just looking at this stuff makes me sad. Uh, like Daniel Stern's marriage in this movie. Yeah, good, good thing. So we, we know that they're in trouble because he is pretending to sleep so he doesn't have to talk with his wife. This is your classic 1980s, I guess through the 90s, henpecked husband thing, which I'm sure exists. But like, there's it's so much easier to just get divorced and get like, <laughs> there's the other thing too. There's no inkling that he ever liked this woman. This has been his life for years. Why did they even get married? We like it's just it's not explained. So they just use here. Here's the honest answer. This is one of the reasons why I don't like you quoting TV tropes because her character is a TV trope. Hen-pecked husband, hen-pecking wife. That's it. Their relationship makes no sense, but they picked it out of the garbage, out of the dumpster for no reason. Uh, There is a scene later in the movie, the whole about your best day and your worst day, that he did seem to like his wedding day. Yes, but not for marrying her. Remember? Because the whole thing was, I felt like a man and I made my dad proud. But he never sounds like he had love for his his wife. Right? Yeah, fair point. I mean, and also, we should mention, there's something weird just in general about this. 
Uh, this is supposed to take place in 1991, right, presumably. And Daniel Stern, one of America's, I think, best physical actors we've had in a long time. Uh, if you have not seen, if you don't know who I'm talking about, he's Marv. Um, it's Marv, yeah. Yeah, from Home Alone 1 and 2. Uh, also from Bushwhacked. He was also in previous episode, Rookie of the Year, which he also directed. Um, but all and, that, and Levi, previous and or Leviathan. upcoming episode, I don't even know at this point, Leviathan. Uh, coming up later this month. Yeah, or he, next month. Where he plays a mega douchebag, but he might be funny. <laughs> but he's funny. Like, he's a very big phys- physical presence. He's funny. Uh, and he's funny in this. Um, but I will, I, I, all that to say, when the movie came out, he is uh, 34. He's 34 when this movie comes out. He says he hasn't had sex with his wife in 12 years. So since they were 22, they haven't had sex. Again, like I, I, th- this character's like a bad Borscht Belt joke. It's a Rodney Dangerfield character. <laughs> so he gets no respect? But that's what it sounds like. That, that's the whole character. They make it emotional because Daniel Stern's a good actor. I mean, I love Rodney, but he's not a good actor. Uh, but that's what it is. Anyway, we'll get to it because it gets worse. Um, it's the morning of, uh, his birthday of Mitch's birthday and he's turning 38, 39, 39, 39. Okay. And his mom calls him at five sixteen in the morning. Cause that's when he was born and sounds very New York-y. Yeah. I mean, they live on an, God, they live on like Roosevelt Island or something. Um, but yeah, in real life at this point, uh, Billy Crystal was 42, so, you know, that's about right. He's 40 years old, and he, his mom calls to wish him a happy birthday by describing his birth at the moment he was born, which is, I mean, that's a retired woman who has nothing else to do with her life. That's, that's insane. Um, In front of his wife, too. It is. And he's done it. She's clearly done it every year because the wife expects it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we then get his life falling apart slowly, right? Um we should mention that they have very mediocre jobs. It's fine. He's a radio buyer where he buys up radio spots. Uh, Daniel Stern is a manager at a grocery store. Run by his father-in-law. Run which by his impor- father-in-law. Important later. And then um, uh, Bruno Kirby owns a sporting goods store, which he wears a picture of himself on the back of his jacket when they go cowboying. Um, so it's the day of his birthday. Uh, He goes into work. His boss is Jeffrey Tambor, and he buys the most annoying. He's apparently bought the most annoying pizza ad in existence, which runs like six times a day. And it's so bad that people are turning off the radio, which, of course, is bad for business. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, again, this is just middle aged. So now Jeffrey Tambor wants to pre-approve every ad. He sells or something like that. Which Taking him back to like the level of being an intern or something, right? Like yeah. that he can't make any decisions for himself because he can't be trusted anymore. He leaves, he leaves being in, like insulted by his boss to going to career day at his son's school, which, first of all, I mean, his wife has the right comment at the end, which is how are you going to make something that important sound interesting to kids? You're not. I get that. But I do love this Long Island dumpster construction worker who comes up and is explaining how he saved this woman's life. Do, do you remember the actor, the actor who played 
him, Nick. Is it Joe Pesci? No, it's not. Because it looks like Joe Pesci. Mm. Could you look it up? And you got the computer, Nick. I'm looking it up, but it, I can guarantee you it's not Joe Pesci. This man is at least two feet taller than Joe Pesci. Um, they look about the same width, Nick. Are people going to kill me for this accent, you think? I mean, it's not a bad Joyzy accent. It's just, now nah, this guy is, he's a character actor. I've seen him in a thousand things. That's why it's driving me crazy. Oh, it's Robert Costanzo. Of course it's Robert Costanzo. That's, uh, sorry. Uh, Robert Costanzo from previous episode, Total Recall. Uh, he's also the voice of um, the detective in Batman the Animated Series. I mean, he always just plays this guy. Like, hey, yo. Um, I saved this woman's life in a construction accident. I kiss in front of the kids, and it's hilarious. It is. It's great. Um, the woman isn't paying attention. She's not listening. I, I gained superhuman strength and lifted a wrecking ball off her legs. A, a 2,000, like he said, 2,000 pounds of crane I lifted off of her so my buddy could pull her out. And that's why you don't do drugs, kid. <laughs> I mean, again, is it, and this is still, I mean, it's 91, so it's not uh, Reagan, it's Bush, but it's like early war on drugs stuff. Like, had nothing to do with drugs, but kids, that's why you don't do drugs. And it's, it's really... I was wondering if he was trying to salvage a situation because the teacher was clearly not comfortable with his cursing. So then he throws in, yeah, kids, don't do drugs. Oh, I mean, first of all, you're 100% right. Secondly, on top of all this, she is like mortified. But by the end, she's kind of into the story like everyone is. Uh, and then Mitch shows up and is like, uh, I work at a radio station. Are you a DJ? No, I buy ads. Oh, you make the ads? No, I buy the ads. And then he goes into this thing about like, in your 20s, you're hot shit. And in your 30s, you're, you're, you're depressed. In your 40s, you're a loser. In your 50s, like, it just and goes And he starts on. going about getting surgery. They call it a procedure. And then you retire to Florida. And there's a Jamaican nurse you call mama. That's just, right. It's hilarious. But it's not for kids. Like, this, this man is having a mental break. And he goes home. And he's like, and his wife's like, are we having a party tonight? And I'm like, guys, you're 39. I, I just, I, I love how, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to have very close friends like Matt and Daniel and Zach and people who are on the show a lot and, you know, support what I do. Uh, the Cineprov guys as well. Um, but there's just something like weird about how he's like, I just want to have a birthday and like my friends have a birthday party. And it's like, but it's also not a very casual thing. Like we have birthdays for each other constantly, but they're very casual, low key. Let's grab a beer and a burger and hang out by the pool. This is like appetizers and like and then he's shocked shocked that his oldest daughter who's like 15 or whatever wants to go next door and hang out with her friend instead of dealing with all of these people who are his dad's friends including let's not forget the woman that bruno kirby's dating who's only like six years older than mitch's daughter i think by the time the birthday party they're married are they married at that yeah because that's a whole plot is she wants right. kids she and wants he's kids insecure and he about that that's right. And so that's like six months or so after they met. Um, and by the by, uh, we have the kid, the the son being a prick. You know, he's Jake, popping. Yeah, his... Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes, it is. It is a young Jake Gyllenhaal. And it's funny you point that out because they're... I saw that in the credits and immediately forgot about it. And then you say it. I'm watching the movie as we go to keep track of everything. You see it in his eyes. Like he... Uh, the Hollywood Gyllenhaals, in fact. Yeah, I think there was. I, I was at trivia a couple, no, a week ago from rec a week past from recording time. And I think there was a movie 
I we got there the like this movie has these characters in it and these actors in it, and one of them was did you know one of these is not like the other Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal and I said he must have been a little kid then yep maybe it was City Slickers because if Jake Gyllenhaal was a little kid well this was his first role literally his first role listed um uh this is a decade before he i guess did his first starring role as nani darko previous episode previous episode and before he returned to the old west and broke back mountain <laughs> 2005 which is a great film strange film there's every every time i read something about it i just need to stay like i need i can't read about this movie it just seems like a very odd production but i, I like that movie did we end up doing the day after tomorrow, or did we do 2012? We did 2012. Yeah, so he's in future episode, the day after tomorrow as well. Um, and if we're feeling saucy, maybe future episode Zodiac, which is an excellent film. But again, there, there's some stuff we can talk about in it. We cut back. Uh, the kid, Jake Gyllenhaal, goes to bed. Uh, he, well, he goes to bed after re- re- repeating some things his mom said about his husband's friend's new girlfriend that she didn't want repeated. Yeah, that... Because she was in like an underwear ad on the back page of the newspaper. And mom said, I wonder how she'll look after she has two kids or whatever. Um, which, you know, gets him sent to bed. But then uh, they present him with his birthday gift. Which I just... It's another I, one of Ed's brilliant ideas. But it's also like such... <sighs> yeah. I love you guys. I, but I can't imagine spending as much as this must have cost. To fly across the country, because they're in New York, so they're flying to Arizona, New Mexico, New Mexico, and flying back. So that's already three, $400 round-trick ticket. Mm. On top of paying for this camp. it's, it's I call it summer camp for adults, except sure. they really have to drive cattle. But, I mean, it's the same thing as, like, a baseball. All the things they reference. Rock and roll uh, camp, fantasy camp, baseball fantasy camp. This is supposed to just be a fantasy camp situation. I've, but things go out of hand or we don't have a movie as you put so eloquently earlier. But like the idea that Daniel Stern and Bruno Kirby go like each pay an extra half seas so that he can do this is like a lot. Well, these are New York city yuppies. So they're probably got money. Maybe not Daniel, maybe not Daniel Stern's character. Yeah. Um, and apparently they do a trip like this every year because last year they did the running of the bulls with, in Spain, which on top of everything else meant they had to pay for care for the kids for two weeks. So like, it's it just, it's a lot. Um, but then we have the, the greatest scene of the movie by far <laughs> where, um, an actress shows up, uh, and says, you know, she's supposed to be like a stock girl or something, a checkout girl. At the grocery store where Daniel Stearns works. And she said uh, she's pregnant. Did you recognize this actress? No, I did not. Did you recognize, I'll give you a hint, her voice? No. Her name is Yardley Smith and she's the voice of Lisa Simpson. And it's funny because you can't, like, Lisa Simpson is like maybe now, I mean, time makes fools of us all. It's 30 years later on the Simpsons so she sounds a little bit gravelier um but this is like once the Simpsons hit they all did some early acting roles including all like half of them were on Herman's head um but like so you know hot off the cachet of being this we have Lisa Simpson running into the room you knocked me off and like 
And he he's like, did you use the a pregnancy test? And he goes, yeah, the ones that are on sale in aisle four or whatever the line is, which is funny. Yeah, because he, he's come up with his creative ways to try and spin that he's not the one at fault here. Like, oh, she's only telling me this so for health insurance purposes. And then she's like talking about how they're getting on in the car in the parking lot. That's right. And that's when Arlene and he get into a brawl over the phone. That's right. Uh, so what's her name? Picks up the, the phone to call her dad uh, to, you know, rat out her husband. Yada, yada, yada. And, yeah, Daniel Stern stands up for himself probably the first time in his life, and they fight over the phone and end up breaking the phone, I think. Yeah, and ends up also defending Nancy. And the, again, like you said, she breaks the phone, she yanks it out of the wall, uh, and they're having this huge fight and freak out in front of everything, which again, like standard like henpecked wife situation where like she doesn't even want to be at the party. She's rude to everyone the whole time. She's rude to the host and the hostess. Uh, she makes Daniel Stern leave immediately. The party hasn't even started. They haven't had cake. They haven't had anything. And she wants to leave in 10 minutes. Um, and like, then this whole breakdown comes down. Like, you know, we haven't had sex in 12 years uh, and storms out and goes into the hallway. And, and apparently they do have kids. So, I mean, well, they have, have them early and stop, I, I guess, it, but we never see his kids. Right. No, not all I can think of. Um, because that was the whole point. I committed adultery. I lost my job, never seeing my kids again. I, yeah, I'm, I'll, and he'll and he said I'll never see my kids again, which we don't know. We we never the wife. All that is done off screen. We don't get any of that. Um, but essentially, as Daniel Stern storms off, um, who wants cake? Well, right. Did, did I manage Billy Crystal there? No. But it was fine. I'll call you from the bedroom. How would you know where the bedroom is? Which, great joke. Uh, and she go, he goes, call your dad. I'm sure he's home. It's his night to meet up with the other escaped Nazis, isn't it? Um, and he goes, I hate you more. Uh, if I hate were people, I'd be China. <laughs> I remember that now. That's good. But But then we get to the end of this party scene, which is like, it's very bizarre because the whole time Mitch has been bitching and moaning about he's getting older. He's having a midlife crisis. That's all it is. Midlife crisis stuff. But the wife is like, look, you don't seem happy. What do you want to do? You haven't seemed happy in a long time. Blah, 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 blah. She flat out tells him she tells him to go on the trip with his friends because she does not want him coming to the Florida to visit her family because he'd be miserable and make everyone else miserable. That's right. Burn. But here's the thing. I don't think it's a burn. I think it's it's supposed to be a touching scene. It's supposed to be the truth. I just, it feels like there's so much going on at this point that it's kind of buried under all this. Well, I'm, I'm saying burn because it's so bluntly stated. I mean, they clearly care about each other, even if he's being un, being unhappy. Well, right, but it's not an insult. Like, so I, it, it feels like it's a very true thing. It sets up the second act, kind of. Uh, although, I guess this doesn't really have a good act structure because we're, what, half an hour into this movie? Okay, so the first, if you do three-act structure, the first act is New York. The second act is the um, they're in New Mexico till Curly dies. Spoilers. Yeah. And then the death of Curly, for about 10 minutes, it turns to the fall on the, the river wild. And then they have to escort the, the cattle in. Yeah, 
but like there's also the part in there where there's the bad cowboys are getting drunk and cookie gets injured and half the group leaves and then the other half of the group leaves like it's it's kind of sloppy in that but it's fine i i we'll get there uh we're introduced to the rest of the farmers or the uh people on this cowboy fantasy camp rather uh we have um the well there's the the, den- the father and son dentist from new jersey yeah the jessups ben and steve jessup um the son's like, what, are you shocked that we're both black and dentists? And this, the dad stops that. So that's the end of that character, pretty much. Um, che- Chekhov's medical skills, it does come in la- later. Kind of, I guess. But I imagine, like you alluded to, everyone's kind of wealthy professionals because they afforded to do this trip. Um, you have the Ben and Jerry's uh, clones. No Ira- celebrities were harmed. Yeah, Ira and Barry's ice cream which again is set up for one scene where they're trying to assign different meals to different ice creams. Yeah. It's like a full on Western standoff. They're looking at each other's eyes and saying different foods yep. with the old West music playing. I thought that was actually well shot. I mean, it's, it's a fine scene. It's a joke scene. It's a scene. Uh, it reminded me of a scene from like blazing saddles or something, except for there's no farts, but the, then we have uh, the three guys, of course, and then the last character is to show up is Bonnie, uh, who is the one woman. She was supposed to have some of her friends with her, uh, but they canceled at the last minute. Uh, and so her name, the actress is Helen Slater from future episode uh, Supergirl, uh, where she's the titular Supergirl in that awful, awful movie. Um, which, I guess, again, going back to Seinfeld, uh, Jerry wants to date her because she was Supergirl, so... Well done, Daniel Stern, because he knocks it out of the park here. Um, but, I mean, she's been in stuff for decades, so we'll probably come across her again, including Secret of My Success, which we've talked about doing before, uh, which was... Is that the Tom Cruise one? Yeah, a very strange Tom Cruise one. Or no, uh, Secret of My Success is not Tom Cruise. It's Michael, Michael J. J. Fox. Fox. Yeah. I think I saw some of that on the USA Network years ago. Yeah, uh, and she did that just a few years before this. Uh, before so what was that Tom Cruise movie, the one they referenced in Scream? Risky business. Risky business. Yes. Thank you. You got to it before me. Uh, she's also on Batman the Animated Series. Anyway, I'll stop looking at her. Uh, but, you know, then we have your standard montage. They, the, everyone suits up. They have to learn how to ride a horse. They have to get cowboy duds on. They have to learn how to rope and ride. And, you know, it's a lot of, you know, and it fat t- jokes at the expense of one of the ice cream guys. Is that Wayne Knight? It looks like Wayne Knight with a fro. He's not. Although I bet you he showed up to a lot of auditions and Wayne Knight was there and he was like, ah, oh, shit. Because <laughs> I think the montage only takes place over a couple of days because the trail boss is supposed to arrive in a couple of days. Yeah. And he arrives. Oh, he arrives. Yeah. Uh, so that actor is Josh Mostel, uh, son of Zero Mostel. I, yeah, I, I knew that name sounded familiar. Yeah. Uh, blacklisted for being accused of being a communist, hired by the thing I know him from. Uh, this, the the father Zero Mostel is in the original producers. I know him from Fiddler on the Roof. I think it was it him who played Tevia in the movie, or did he just play it on on the stage? Um, I believe he played it on the stage. Yeah, because a lot of blacklisted actors ended up in Broadway. Yeah, so it makes sense for him him being on the stage. Yeah, but, he was on the stage. So who played? Uh, it's not. I was wondering who played him in the movie. That's not not really relevant. Um, 
If I were a wealthy man, I would spend my money on cowboy trip. Okay, my my song dropped. It sure did. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and he's a fat actor, so his fat acting, fat actory is like, oh, look at him trying to Factory. get on this horse. Oh, he's so fat. Um, but around here, we're introduced to the other two cowboys who oh, are the dipshits. They're they're they they are added only to add conflict to this movie, and they're hitting on Bonnie, um, because they're losers. I don't know what to tell. Well, you. I call him a Twitter rapey McCowboy because that's where clear it was going before Billy Crystal tries to joke out of it, and then they're gonna kill him, and then two buddies show up, and then right before it turns to a fight, enter Curly. Yeah, uh, and Curly says, "You guys have been drinking. Get out of here." Uh, he throws a knife at them. He, he has one hogtied, like his neck is noosed to a fence and throws a knife at one dude's crotch. Same guy. Um, because he refuses to apologize. Um, meanwhile, the other guy gets none of this, which is strange. Curly is, you know, whatever. Jack Palance, the man god. Jack Palance. Uh, Palance. Who wins the Academy Award for this movie. Yeah. Uh, Lifetime Achievement Award. He, uh, essentially, uh, but yeah, he's nominated for Best Supporting for this. He gets it. Apparently, the story goes... Well, the story goes, I've seen the video. But when he wins the award, he just drops and gives like 20 push-ups. One-handed push-ups. Yeah, yeah guys, the guy was ripped. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, this was the only thing it was nominated for, and it won. So good on Jack Palance. He's in this movie less than I remembered. He's in it for like 20 minutes. Um, Not even. Um, but Bonnie Hunt thanks... Billy Crystal for standing up for him. Um, and lecherous Ed is, thinks that's a come on. Well, Ed is also like, I don't know if at this point he's, you said he's married. It makes sense. Um, but like, he clearly is uncomfortable with relationships. Uh, and we Un- get to why later. Uncomfortable, at least are uncomfortable with monogamy. Well, and we get to why later. Uh, it has to do with his own dad partially why probably he's feeling uncomfortable being a father um yeah because beneath all the jokes in this movie there actually is some legitimately path legitimate pathos yeah um which is why this movie got a nod at all i would guess um but you know they have the night scene where you know they're all sitting around and they're talking about how creepy curly is and curly walks up you know he's right behind me isn't he uh, they talk about how many people they think Curly's murdered. Like this really does feel like a summer camp, like telling like ghost stories or, to spook each other, or, or that whole monologue about home and home alone about old man Marley, where they think he like murdered a bunch of people. Totally, this does whiff of like, oh, this is the '90s. This is the kind of comedy we're doing. Um, you know, John Hughes didn't do a pass, but he could have done a pass on this script. Um, but yeah, I'll, Jack Palance has the good line here. Uh, they're like kind of talking. He goes, you know, do you hear, what did you hear? And he goes. I crap bigger than you. And then he walks off, which is just. You had full, either Clint Eastwood or Ronald Reagan there. Oh, it's kind of what. Pa- well, I crap bigger than you, if I can remember. Uh, or, or Clint Eastwood, because that one, either you or Daniel have that gravelly voice. Mm. Yes. You break it out sometimes for characters like this. This is written by the guy who wrote future episodes, Splash and Multiplicity. Both future episodes. Uh, Babalu Mandel is his name. Babalu Mandel. Uh, anyway, so the next morning, they leave. They, they hitch up and ride off. And they 
leave from... They're supposed to drive the cattle from New Mexico to Colorado. Yeah, to their other uh, ranch. Uh, they're told like the idea here is that we, we drive it one way and then we drive it back every, you know, every month. That's that. That's the point. Um, and so we're driving it up and it's supposed to be this big kind of dramatic moment, I guess. Um, and we get the... So many yeehaws. Yeah. Uh, from Noble Willingham, who plays Clay Stone, the guy in charge. I like I, I like Noble Willingham, just a good presence here. Um, so early on, early on, early on, they're trying to ride around. I mean, again, we have everything. We have the I'm Too Sexy montage where they're trying on outfits. And, you know, Billy Crystal puts on a Mets hat because he can't find a good cowboy hat. Uh, you know, you have the ice cream guys on their phone until they lose the signal. And then we have Mitch ruin everything. After the first night's camping, uh, he wants to make coffee, and so he gets like an electric burr grinder. Something is that something you remember from Brookstone? Oh, I mean, sure, why not? Uh, it, it's something you get at Target now, but it would never be battery powered. You would never, you would never do this. This is so absurd. Uh, you would just grind, bring ground coffee, uh, but. The, the coffee grinding spooks the cattle, and they run off uh, and completely destroy camp, destroy everything. Uh, they trample the 1990s cell phone that uh, you know Josh Mustel is trying to use. And that's going to be a problem later. Well, yeah, even though he really wasn't getting a signal before. But at this point, Palance is, tells Crystal, we're going out to find the missing cattle, and you're coming with me. Which... Makes sense because you're the asshole who caused this problem. Uh, but again, Billy Crystal is convinced he's going to be murdered. Uh, yeah, Billy Crystal is so obnoxious to Curly. I posted that if Curly does kill him, it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy because he annoyed him so much. Yeah. Um, but again, Crystal is... How do I even put this? This stinks of like boomer ideas of masculinity and stuff like you know because jack palance is a real man and billy crystal is this like workaholic type and like the idea that you know you you're not even a man because you don't make anything that's real like he has this whole like riff where he's talking about i've never made anything that my you know that you could touch my dad made furniture or whatever and you're just like what movie is any of this um and Jack Palance is a real man because he has something tangible that he does. He delivers. He, you know, he's a cowboy. He's a cattle wrestler. And then Billy Crystal, who's struggled to lasso a, ho- uh, a, a cattle, gets off his horse, puts the lasso around the cattle, again, um, in an emasculating way. Then um, Jack Palance whistles, and he gets drugged for, whatever, half a mile Uh Rather than say, let go of the rope. You're refusing to let go of the rope. When it, is that like a hint that he can be stubborn and tough too? He just needs to get to it? Possibly. Uh, although I will say that was the trailer. He's getting drugged from behind a cow and he goes, I'm on vacation. That, 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 that was the trailer. That was the black outline of the trailer. So um, they round up all the loose cattle, right? They set up a camp at night. Um, because it'd be too late by the time they caught up with the rest of the herd, so they signed to bed down for the night, which, again, based on what we know happens later, 
that the second Curly's dead, the other cowboys become like really violently sexually aggressive. What's going on now? They're alone mm. with Bonnie Hunt now, and J- Jack well, Pounce is gone. Well, they know he's. They might think he's going to come back because eh, even a few hours. T- they still take a few hours to start getting drunk and rapey again. Only a couple hours. That's true. They want to be absolutely certain Curly was dead. Well, and, and at this point, Billy Crystal stands up for himself. Uh, once again, he is he is uh, playing har- he's playing harmonica, right? Uh, an old show tune or something. Or no, he he's playing a, a western tune, not a show tune. They make a joke about show tunes later. But Curly is trying to intimidate him by sharpening his knife. Curly tells him to stop playing the harmonica. Uh, but he, and then Billy Crystal stands up for himself. He says, "Look, you've been trying to scare me since day one. Uh, you got to respect me, and, or just kill me. I, I don't care at this point because apparently uh, he doesn't care about anything." Yeah, it's he really, really he think he dares a dude who he thinks is a killer to murder to kill him. Yeah, yeah. Which I guess either he's suicidal or he has a giant pair of balls. <laughs> and then Jack Palance sings uh, "Tumbling Tumbleweeds" with him. They have a duet. Yeah, kind of. Uh, and he goes, you know, hey, hey, Kylie, do you know any show tunes? Which I guess kind of undercuts the scene, but it, it is what it is. Then they talk about love and how at one point Jack Palance had been in love. But then, uh, you know, she left. It wasn't meant to be. But that was the love of his life. And that's it. They're fine. Um, and Billy Crystal, this for him is his character development, kind of. Uh, he's looking for answers from anyone he thinks has answers. Um, you know, if you're a hero, uh, if you're a protagonist, you've got to you've got to learn something. Your character has to change. If it doesn't change, you're not a protagonist. So Billy uh, Crystal here is trying to better himself. He's going through a midlife crisis. He's trying to figure out what the answer to life and everything is. He figures Jack Palance has figured it out because he is a crusty old asshole who's about to die. Um. And he finds out that you, he gave up the love of his life because he couldn't give up the life that he lived. Um, so he goes, look, it seems like you don't know anything. Why am I asking you for advice? He goes, oh, I figured out the meaning of life. It's one thing. We'll get to what that one thing is at the end. Um, but he's like, look, I'm part of a dying lifestyle. I like being part of this lifestyle. And if you can't get out of bed in the morning, something's wrong with your lifestyle. Not there, There's no secret here, right? I mean, that's how I read the scene. Yeah. Makes, it makes sense because the whole importance of that one thing. Yeah. I mean, the second that scene is over, though, we get uh, literally what's going to turns out be his meaning of life, which is the cow is about to give birth. Uh, what becomes Billy Crystal's meaning of life is his kids, um, which are barely mentioned. They're barely in the movie. It's kind of a cop out in the end, uh, but we'll get there. Although this is the scene so- where he delivers a cow. Very on screen, very graphically. Real, too, by the way. Uh, there was a, apparently a puppet cow that they used for some of the secondary shots, but there were four cows that were pregnant and they just waited until the, when they needed to film and the one that get started giving birth, they just filmed. That was actually a cow giving birth. Uh, wow, more that's, or less. that's putting in the effort. Yeah. And so Billy Crystal does, you know, help birth this cow. Uh, and the, the cow gets up and walks around, and the mother gets shot by Curly because apparently she was dying. Which, it was it was a breach, wasn't it? Like the it was the wrong end. It was. Um, he does get the adorable line here. 
Look what I did. I made a cow. It has my eyes. No, that was Jack Palance's line. He goes, look at him. Yeah, get up. He has your eyes. <laughs> um, and at that point, the, 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 the mom cow um, makes a horrible sound. And Jack Palance goes, oh, it's dying. And then puts a bullet in its head so it doesn't suffer. Um, some, some old yeller energy there. Yeah. And also... He, we now have Billy Crystal covered head to sh- head to toe in blood, and you know mucus viscera, whatever. Um, un- unable to bathe until I guess they get back to camp. Um, I'm gonna name him Norman. Norman, yeah, I'm gonna name him Norman. Uh, and he teaches Norman how to drink from, again, yucky stuff, a bottle of Evian <laughs> with the glove cut out of it. Uh, and this is where we get the scene where they're like identifying ice cream flavors. This oh, is no, the, no, no, no. Well, but this is the one thing they needed the joke for. Like, I, I, it, it's such a weird dialogue. I mean, obviously, you can't just have our three heroes and Bonnie Hunt. You need more characters. But it just, they, they feel so, so shoehorned in. And to kind of characterize them, they all get this one little, this one little scene. Um, and so this is the, the fat ice cream guy. <laughs> this is his scene. Um, but Billy Crystal has, has it right. Um, they're describing the meal. He goes, okay, what's the meal that I can't figure out? He goes, it's sea bass seared with potatoes or gratin, yada, yada, yada. And he comes up with the ice cream flavors, rum raisin or some nonsense like that. And Billy Crystal goes like, well, how do you know what's right? And he goes, you know, 400 locations nationwide. That's how we know it doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. Um, but, you know, then we get Bruno Kirby and Daniel Stern talking about baseball, which is, I think this is a good scene because it sets up a later scene, which is, why do guys, Bonnie Hunt asks, why do guys always talk about baseball, right? And the answer is because, Talking about emotions and feelings is hard. And this is a way that they all related to their fathers, right? Uh, Daniel Stern has that line, like, when I was 18, my dad and I couldn't, didn't communicate at all. And so talking about baseball was a way that we communicated. And that was hard for us, but we liked baseball. Um, and that's what we will get to kind of at the end, which is that the guys don't like talking to each other. They're friends, but they can't talk about each things. But they will develop this relationship over the end. So, you know, that's character development. That, that scene is much more important for the actual plot. But then they, uh, he goes, you know, I learned something from Curly. And everyone's like, you know, burst into flames. They're so shocked. And he's like, yeah, Curly knows the meaning of life. And it's this one thing. Let me go talk to him. And he goes up on the hillside. <laughs> and Curly ain't moving. And he dies sitting up with a cigarette in his mouth. Good on him. Uh, I mean, and it, you're, I mean, he looks like the silhouette of the Marlboro Man too, because he's got the lung dart in his lips. But he's just his head is kind of bowed, his hat is cocked back, and he's just sitting in his all black outfit. It's awesome. Smash cut to them nailing it in a cross over a pile of dirt. Strong cut. Um, I like how the, you know, they're trying to eulogize him and they go to the cookie and he's like, yep, he's dead. And he goes, you got anything else? He goes, what do you want me to say? I got chicken burning, which is great. Um, Mitch takes his hat, takes his boots, 
and takes his like shirt and vest, which I guess means they buried him naked. Um, they try to, um, at this point they try to ride off one way or another. Um, I think they still are planning to go through with a cattle drive. The problem is the cowboys become a problem. Well, we're not there yet. Uh, because at this point, you know, they're all worried about the cowboys, but they give proper instruction. Mitch is like, they'll be fine. Uh, they're professionals. We can trust them. And so they start riding along, right? This is where we had that discussion earlier that we talked about where they're talking about what the greatest day of their lives were, right? Um, Daniel Stern. Uh, when he get, got married. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And Ed, this is when we find out the real pathos behind lecherous Ed was that his father was a chronic adulterer and his father, and he flat out tells him go away and never come back. And his dad is going to hit him and he stared him down and he left. Yeah. I mean, we get the feeling that he was like kind of a fall down drunk too. Like it was all bad. And he stood up for his mom and his sister. sister. Yeah. He said, you go, I'll take care of them now. Yeah. And you know, so he was robbed of his childhood and that's why he wants to play around. Right. That's why he wants to do these like, I don't know, midlife crisis-y things. The, this is his way of regaining childhood. But also, it's why he doesn't want to get married and or have kids because he saw how much his father disappointed them. Um, and he did this when he was 14. Um, you know, and uh, they go, well, what was, what was your worst day? And he goes, it was the same day. That I remember from when I first saw it. It's, it's well done. And Bruno Kirby is a good actor. But... This is when the scenes start to repeat themselves. The next morning is when Cookie gets really drunk and starts riding his horses like a maniac, uh, running the stagecoach off a cliff. He breaks both of his legs in so doing, and they lose all the food, I guess, except for what falls out of the back of the cart. And so this is really kind of what sets up the third act. As you yeah, because Chekhov's medical skill, the dentist's, take Cookie to the nearest town to, and they figure they at least have some ability to treat him. None of the others can do at all. So they're gone. Well, I just want to point out one line that's really funny, which is they cut to another funeral scene, which is they've buried the two horses. <laughs> and Bonnie Hunt goes, uh, I can't believe we buried the horse. Or uh, Helen Slater, Bonnie, goes, I can't believe we buried the horses. And Billy Crystal goes, well, to be honest, the force kind of drove them into the ground. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, now we have the whole breaking up of the scene. Cookie's broken both of his legs and he know they need to make a diversion to go to a nearby town in order to get him medical treatment. Right. And the dad and the dent, uh, the dad and the son dentist team volunteer partially because best we can tell the son has been hating this trip the whole time. He hasn't had any lines since he was introduced, but he was being really kind of snarky about doing it. So the son volunteers to go. Uh, with the dad because yeah they i mean they're dentists he goes but we're the closest thing to medical expertise that they actually have right um this leaves like kind of tent for the night between the ice cream guys bonnie hunt um daniel stern bruno kirby and it starts with them in what i thought was a weird scene but they're getting drunk but they're also shooting the bottles of liquor they found um cookie's secret stash Right. This, this is not the first time Cookie's been drinking. 
Right. They drink the alcohol and then throw the bottles up there and shoot them. And then they start getting drunkenly dangerous. Well, they first threaten to kill uh, Norman the, the calf. Yeah, uh, they, they take Norman hostage. Which, again, part of it to me, like, obviously they're assholes. Obviously they're threatening Bonnie. But, like, I don't understand what their end game is. Because, presumably, everyone survives and they go back to the ranch. And what are you going to tell them? Oh, we, one cow, cow died in childbirth. And then these guys shot the calf. I, I think they wanted to, they want to go out and go at Mitch because they, you know, because they're mad at Mitch because Mitch broke up their sexual harassment festival earlier. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he emasculated them, and this is a whole thing about masculinity, right? Uh, then there's a fight. Bruno Kirby punches a guy in the face, and then Daniel Stern gets the gun and gets really intense, which is great. Um, this is where this is where Daniel Stern, I think, should have been nominated for something because he's fantastic in this. You know, Phil is he's he's the character who's actually a loser. He's the one who lives the life that Billy Crystal thinks he's living, where life is actually really trying to get him down. And by all accounts, he shouldn't be down. He's doing fine. But, you know, he goes like, you two assholes go sleep it off. And he like has this great thing. Like where he's like, look, my boss put my, my, I'm under a lot of stress. I lost my wife. I lost my job and I have some sort of rash from making in the woods or making in the bushes or whatever. But yeah, I mean, that that's his character. Uh, and he's there sitting in a dark tent holding a gun, which kind of tells you all you need to know. I don't know. I, I, I think Phil is the most interesting character. And I know Jack Pounce won because it was a victory lap Academy Award. But I would have given Daniel Sturd the nod. He, he really does a great job in this. Um, but the next thing we get after not even five minutes later, because this is all while they're still in the tent, we're told that the Cowboys have left for the night uh, and everyone's panicking because yeah. they're abandoned. And if they don't survive, presumably the Cowboys are going to just disappear into the night and make up another story. And there's also the herd of cattle that needs to be maintained. Because a bunch of them just want to ditch the cows. Yeah, which, I mean, I get it. This is supposed to be character development, but you got to ditch the cows, right? It's slowing you down, and this is not what you paid for. The, it turns out that the farmers are going to make all this money because you risked your lives. You're not going to get any of it. They offer them a refund. Great, but it's just it's just it's absurd. Yeah, they. But again, I, th- I think someone points out that if you leave the cows there, they will all die. So they mo- they move them to a river. Yeah, Bonnie Bonnie Rayburn. Which that point. which that point it might be a good idea to leave them there because they can at least eat and drink for a while. Yeah. But they decide maybe maybe they're really close to the ranch. Decide okay, let's cross the river. Problem, rainstorm. Yeah, we haven't got like so. Just really quickly. Now pretty much everyone's out of the movie. Uh, Cookie, which, by the way, previous episode, he's Bob the Goon from Batman. Uh, and then uh, everyone leaves the movie, except for our three intrepid heroes, except I, for I Mitch. Think, I think I thought Mitch left with the others as just yeah. um, Daniel Stern and Letcher as Ed to try and maintain the, the, the herd, and they're doing a terrible job. You really didn't like Ed, did you? I, I, just, I, I, don't, I don't dislike him. I mean... <laughs> I just I just like the phrase lecherous Ed. That's fair. 
Um, yeah, so they're trying to maintain the cattle, and Mitch has a change of heart and leads everyone back. Immediately, though. Like, so, it's not even four minutes later in the movie when he returns. Uh, but before he's there, uh, Daniel Stern and Ed, uh, Phil and Ed, don't know what they're doing. The cows are walking off, and then over the hill comes the cows back, and they are, you know, guided by Mitch. Okay, Mitchie the kid is on his way. He's now re- wearing... Uh, the corpse's hat. So there's that, which just smells like cigarettes and shame. Uh, but like you said, pretty soon the rainstorm comes and it's a classic day for night in a sprinkler system situation. But as it's pouring, they're trying to get the cows across this river. Uh, Ed goes first and it's not too deep. So all the cows can go across except for Norman, who's a calf and is being swept away by the current. Uh, Billy Crystal jumps in after Norman um, and is able to lasso him, but gets pulled away. Um, so we have a scene where they have to rescue each other, which is, you know, character development stuff. We're all friends again. They saved each other's lives. It's nice. Yeah, and they they eventually get the herd back to the ranch to find out that beef prices have gotten so high that the ranch owners are going to sell them. Yeah. And they're kind of indignant about that, which leads the ranch owners pointing out, where do you think your meat comes from? Yeah, it, it is a very odd end to this movie that I don't quite get um, because I don't know why you need to change the stakes at the end of this movie, like in the last five seconds. But yeah, so thank you for returning with my cows. Now I can have them murdered. What, like if they were going to die anyway, what's the difference? And I think maybe that sets up what they do with Norman. Well, I assume that means that Mitch had to buy Norman or instead of a refund, he took Norman. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. that calf would have been worth money. Yeah. If the whole Veal. thing is like, well, I mean, Veal. <laughs> I, 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 like again, I don't know what the movie's saying. Capitalism is more important than friendship. I, I like, I, I, I don't know why this changes at the end. You didn't need any of this. Um, other than to then, you know, have some stakes at the end. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, but, yeah, so they're going to sell off the herd. Where do you think your meat comes from? I guess I'm giving up on my business of letting rich New Yorkers ride around for fun. Which, I mean, again, I... No, because it's all gone to crap. Like, their trail boss is dead. Their two tr- cowboys are criminals. I assume they're long gone. We never see them again, which makes sense. Yeah, they're in a bit of a spot right now. Luckily, beef prices are high. Yeah. Uh, oh, shit. We got to sweep this under the rug. Um, Noble Willingham says. Uh, but then at the end, everyone's character has changed. Daniel Stern feels good about being free from everything that he's been trapped in for the last 12 years at least. Uh, Bruno Kirby has decided he wants to have kids with the underwear model. Um, and then Billy Crystal says he's figured out the one the, thing, the one thing, which is, he says is his kids, even though we have not talked about his kids, we have not thought about his kids for the last hour and 20 minutes. Turns out that that's the thing. Um, and then a sky cap comes over and goes, Oh, and we should mention that Daniel Stern walks off with Bonnie. Uh, she gets back into the back of the cab with him. So I hope the divorce is settled by this point because at that point, he pretty much foregoes everything. Banging a 20-year-old high school, not high school, or 20-year-old stock girl. And there's a scene where I think Ed is trying to talk dirty to Daniel Stern, like 
clean up on aisle five. That's right. And he punches him, and uh, the, which is good. And then Curly just dumps water on them. That's, you guys better cut it out. It'll spook the cow. <laughs> I love Jack Palance. RIP in real life. He, he passed a few years ago. But uh, he's the best. He's so good. Uh, in Did we do an episode on Tango and Cash? No, we didn't. I just watched it recently. Um, he's in Tango and Cash. He's also in classic Hollywood Western Shane. Uh, but he's good. He's really a great actor. He also plays Ebenezer in the TV movie Ebenezer. <laughs> and future Scrooge. But uh, it died in 2006, so he's been dead a while. Uh, anyway... Uh, at the end, the sky cap brings back Norman, and he goes, we're going to put him in the, the, the den. We're going to... Look, kids, he said hello, just for a little while, then we'll put him in a petting zoo. So it can yes. be with your mother. Um, <laughs> which, yep. again, I, 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 you can't teach this, but you can tell when someone has comedic timing because Billy Crystal is just honestly funny. And some of the lines he has isn't funny, but he delivers them in a funny way. This this movie and When Harry Met Sally, he is hilarious. He's very funny. I, I like Billy Crystal across the board. Give him the Academy Awards to host again. Um, I think the movie that both saved and ruined his career is Analyze This because, you know, Robert De Niro is no longer Robert De Niro anymore. He has to be this like little cartoon old man. Uh, but I think that first one, they're both very funny in it. I find Billy Crystal incredibly charming. But, you know, it is what it is now. And that is City Slickers. Yeah. Uh, Matt, final thoughts? I liked it. I mean, maybe it's not worth seeing many, many times or buying, but it's definitely worth watching once. It's entertaining. Yeah, I will say, I think I saw this. I didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it the year it came out. I remember this being like a new release that my parents wanted to see, so we rented it. And uh, we saw it. I, I must have seen it in 1991 when it came out. I thought rewatching it it held up well um some of the gender politics stuff i don't particularly care for because again the henpecked wife thing always bothers me because like why even marry this woman you hate her there's nothing redeeming about her character she's awful why would you do this but other than that like the cast i really like everyone in it i like um at least anyone we spend any real time with uh, so yeah, no, total recommend. Anyway, so uh, for connection's sake, obviously we have ended our Nora Ephron month and we went from the last Nora Ephron movie when Harry met Sally and we brought with us Bruno Kirby and Billy Crystal to do this. Well, next week we're bringing Daniel Stern with us as we do Leviathan. A bit of a tonal shift, I think. Well, we're back to our bread and butter in March of doing uh some big stupid movies because i'll just go ahead and tell you uh after leviathan we are doing killer workout an 80s slasher movie about people killing people at a you know 80s style you know cardio gym but i will mention that that's episode 398 episode 399 is already recorded and in the books it's the room tommy Wiseau's the room that was a fun nonsense recording uh, should we tell them episode 400? It was your yeah, pick. Sure. We are doing Waterworld for episode 400. So since we've done 400 of these episodes just about, we want to thank you for everything you do. We want to thank you for listening and subscribing and supporting our nonsense. Uh, we are getting shockingly close to the end of the season. 
we're about nine months into season nine, which means season 10 is just over the horizon and we haven't decided it yet, but I can guarantee you that we have some interesting, exciting, fun stuff that we're doing. Matt and I and Daniel have already been working on it, though no spoilers yet. But I tell you this because we do what we do because you listen, you tune in. Um, we are recording this actually months before and looking at the end of last year's stuff, we were recorded, we were listened to more than half a million times. We charted in over 20 countries. They like us. They really like us. Thank you, Sally Fields. Uh, so thanks you who are listening, uh, and bye. Season nine of Myopia Movies is produced by Nick Hoffman and Daniel Suttis. It is hosted by Nick Hoffman and stars Daniel Suttis and Matt Quinn. The theme music is Surf Shimmy by Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and review us wherever podcasts are found. Thanks, guys.